Let's be honest. We all have seasons where we're just struggling. The bills add up. The relationship falls apart. The person you trusted let you down. Another setback, another defeat, another disappointment. The emotions are real, but life goes on. We try to stay positive. Maybe tomorrow will be better, but at least for today, the struggle is real. Well, hey everybody, all of our campuses, all of you watching online, all of us here at Frisco East, man, I'm so glad to see you. Happy Memorial Day weekend. I hope that tomorrow during uh, your time with your family or a meal or barbecue, whatever you're doing, I, I hope that you'll take just a minute to, to thank the Lord and be grateful for the country that we live in, for the people who gave their lives ultimate sacrifice so that we could be here today, so that we could worship, and so that others around the world could worship. Yeah. I hope you'll do that. I'm excited about today. It's uh, the last week of our series called The Struggle is Real. And we've talked about a few things about our lives and the struggle in which some of us deal with. All of us struggle in some way. Um, this last year or so, two, year and two months, has been a challenging year for a lot of us. Um, and, and not just though the year and two months. There are some things that we have struggled with and still to do to this day, and, I, and that's what we've been talking about. Maybe some of you in week one identified with, I struggle with the church. I don't know. Maybe you've been hurt, abused, uh, disillusioned, the hypocrisy, uh, all the things that you'll find in church. Can I just tell you, if you don't like this one, go to the next one, and guess what you're going to find there? The same thing. And then if you don't like that one, you go to the next one, and guess what you're going to find? The same thing. Because no matter who you are, no matter what you're doing, and no matter what group, I mean, it could be the PTA, it could be your football team, it could be your cheerleading team, volleyball team, it could be whatever, it doesn't matter. When you get people together, guess what? People get hurt. Things happen, and that's the story of life. And it, it really is the, the, the story of church in a lot of ways. Um, but you just got to remember that church is not an institution. It's not a denomination. It is a living body of believers who follow Jesus, the body of Christ. We're not perfect. So whatever the struggle has been, I, I would encourage you to move past that struggle. Whatever church has done to you in the past, move past that struggle and let's get right with God and right with his people. The second week, we talked about uh, mental health and emotional health with Matt McKinney, a licensed professional counselor who walked us through getting healthy and some steps toward that. Today, I want to talk about I struggle with self-image. Um, now, this is not exactly what you think it's going to be, although I'm going to touch on some of this. Self-image is something that a lot of us struggle with, the way we look, uh, our weight, our hair, or lack of, whatever. There's thing, there are things that we struggle with and I, I just want to say from the outset that this might be the most important message that I've given all year. This just might be the most important message that I will give in a long time. This will not be your favorite message, okay? You're not going to walk out and go, man, that was the best message I've ever heard, okay? I'm not going to give you great stories and, you know, emotional things. This is going to be 
a, a message that I think it's good, uh, but I think it's helpful, but I don't, I, I think it's going to be a little bit different than what you might think. Now, self-image, as I said, a lot of us struggle with that, with whatever way, or in whatever way we struggle, and our culture doesn't help. Our culture uh, sometimes, uh, you know, it, 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 it fans the flame of insecurity in our lives, right? I mean, it, it brings negative feelings toward ourselves when we see media or social media and, and the baggage and, the, and the, the stuff that comes with that brings out the insecurities in us and the comparison game and so forth. A lot of us, maybe it's struggling with money or, or status, Maybe we struggle with, with more money. We need more of that. We need, and, and this is what we feel like is going to help bring about our self-image, just a little bit more money in the comparison game with other people and what they have. Maybe the next thing might be relationship or no relationship. You see marriages on social media and you see them on their, va- their vacation and you see the very top of their highlight reels of the cute kids, the teenagers that love their parents and, and think their parents are the coolest. And you're looking at that and man, I, man, my kids aren't like that. And you compare or you compare the marriage and you're going, man, it just must be awesome, man. Or, or you're single and you wish, you see the mar- you wish you were married. And if you're married, you wish, no, um, <laughs> look, look, look straight ahead. So the relationships, no, the next one is maybe it's a house, a bigger house or a better car, and, and these, these will make me feel better. The next one is body, weight, or looks. And this is a huge one. And listen, I'm not, I'm not saying that any of these, none of these are important. I'm not saying that, that these are, I'm not making fun of them. In other words, I'm, I'm not making fun that, that some of us struggle and we look in the mirror and we just, man, I wish this was different. I wish that was different. And you look in the mirror and maybe your, your parents or somebody uh, has told you all your life, especially your formative growing up years, that that this this is playing over and over in the playlist of your mind. You are not pretty. You are ugly. You will never amount to anything. You're a loser. All those things play over and over in your mind, and and it has affected you to this very day. The next one might be. Uh, education or job or discrimination or bias. You, you have this, this insecurity because of the color of your skin or because you're mistreated in some way and all these things are real. And I want you to hear me today that what I'm going to, in the other part of this message, I'm not saying that self-image is not important. I'm not saying that how you feel about yourself isn't important. That improving yourself perhaps isn't important. But, but I think that sometimes the more money and, and the more relationships or a change of relationships or the better house or the better car or the better bike or the better this or that, how many understand that sometimes they make you feel better for a little bit? It's not it's not not true that, that getting a new outfit, you ever got a new outfit? I mean, you're just like, man, and you look in the mirror, you're like, man, this works right here. It's like, this is awesome. Or you get that new car and you're like, man, I don't never need another car. This is awesome. This is what I've been looking for. And a year or two later, it's like, well, I need another. I, we need to trade this in for an upgrade. I'm, I'm with you. I, I, Melissa knows I struggle with this probably more than you do. I'm like, man, I need another bike. And that is God's will, so don't talk to me about that. <laughs> But it's all, 
It's all temporary fixes for what we are looking for to make ourselves feel better. And that's why some of us get engaged with, with, with shopping incessantly. Because we just need that one more pair of shoes or that one more blouse or that one more thing to make us better or that one more deal to get done. That, that, man, this is just it. And I'm just here to tell you that I think that even braces are great. Improving, I had braces when I was little. I'm, you're glad I do. I, I, I have braces, right? I'm glad I did. Some of you, I'm, I'm, what I'm not saying is that those things aren't important. In fact, we partnered for a, a lot of years with a, a missions organization. It was a group of doctors, Dr. Hobar, one of my dear, uh, he's not my dear friend, but I love him. He, 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 he helped our family in many ways and surgery-wise um, for, for uh, one of our, our kids. But man, he had a missions organization that traveled the world and third world countries and fixed cleft palates for little kids. And so, so please don't hear me say that our self-image and, and the way that we feel about ourselves isn't important. It is important. And improving yourself is not wrong. Another house, a bigger house, that's not necessarily wrong. Another car, whatever. Those aren't things, those, I just want to say that. And I know that many of you say, John, quit qualifying everything you say. First of all, leave me alone. Second of all, <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to help just because when you make general statements, do you understand what I'm saying? You make general statements, you, you make people feel like that, that oh man, uh, you know, I don't matter. I want you to hear me. You matter. And, and God, God is, is concerned about you and the way that you feel about yourself. So there's counseling and there's help for that. Listen, I'm not saying any of those things aren't important, but, but here's what I am saying. Let me put it on the screen like this. I think we are way too focused on improving our self-image rather than conforming to Christ's image. Could it be that, that the incessant focus on the better version of me, you 2.0, is not necessarily wrong or evil, we just are so focused on it rather than the most important image to be focused on, and that is conforming to the image of Jesus. This, this is, and, and this changes everything. I want to give you, so here's where we're going. I want to give you some scriptural foundation for what I'm saying to you. And again, I want you to hear me say, the way you feel about yourself is very important. The way you look at yourself, and I, and I want you to feel good. And, and, but but if, you, if we keep thinking that another shirt or another thing is going to make the long-lasting difference, you have bought into a lie. Because someday you're going to get old. And, and another surgery is just not going to work. Does that make sense? It, it's okay to lift, I mean, it's okay. I mean, all those things are, are great, but there's going to come a time when you, when you can't lift that weight anymore and you're just going to have to live with that. You know, you just have to live with it, right? Sorry, I shouldn't have done that. That's weird. <laughs> so weird. So let me give you some scriptural foundation for image, and then I'm going to give you some themes 
that I find in Jesus and will be done. Okay, so let me start with Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image. And the reason is to be like us. That, that we were Imago Dei, that we were created in the image of God. And, and the reason that we are created in the image of God is to be like him. This is, let me say this. This is why we were created. To be like him. Let us. This is a good idea. Let us make man. Let us make woman. Make him in our image. Our image. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us, let him make, let us make them in our image to be like us. Paul in Romans says it like this. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Now, I don't subscribe to a Calvinistic theology or a Reformed theology. I'm not mad if you do. I just That's not where I'm at. And so when I see this scripture, all I see is that everyone who accepts Jesus is predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That anybody, anybody, I don't care who you are, anybody that crosses that line of faith, God so loved the world that whosoever, circle that, would believe that whosoever his will for our lives is to be conformed to the image of his son. And when we put our faith or we put our focus on something that, that is less important than the image of his son, we will be disappointed. Man, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, last one for my scriptural foundation. So all of us who have had that veil removed, accepted Jesus, our scale, the blinders are off. I see Jesus for who he is and what he's done for me, and I'm going to accept him based on that fact alone. It's not because of my works. It's not because of anything. The veil's removed, and now I can reflect the glory of the Lord, and the Lord who is the Spirit, listen to this, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious what? Image, listen, it, image is more about him than you. It's more about him than me. It's not about a better version of me. It, it, it's about a better version of me living him out. Because when we chase our image, we're going to get confused. In my high school growing up, we had jocks, we had preps, we had kickers, we had surfers, and we had seahorses, okay? Those were, stay with me, those were the five categories, for, for the most part, five categories. If you're, a, a, what did I say? Oh, jock, if you, that athletes. If you're a prep, you're smart, and you wore polos and eyesides. Um, if you were a kicker, you wore cowboy boots, FFA, the, the corduroy, the, the dark blue corduroy jacket, F, 4H, um, if you were a surfer, you were OP, offshore, uh, you know, talk like this, you know, that's the Australian surfer. Um, and then if you're a seahorse, you were like, I'm between a kicker and a, and a surfer. Some days I wear a, a cowboy boots and some days I wear vans. You know what I'm saying? So, and that's me. I was like, man, I don't know what I am. And, and when you're in those middle school, high school years, man, there's so many things. You're just like, man, I, I want to be a surfer today. Or I know I want to be a cowboy today because I raised a hog. I raised a hog for 4-H, man. I was like, cowboy John. <laughs> Wore my boots. Copenhagen. 
Sorry, mom. True. <laughs> what, it, what I'm saying, and that's perfect. I mean, that's so trivial. I understand. But it just brings about confusion of all things. You know, I mean, I mean just I, I'm, the next thing, the new thing, the better thing, the more than is going to bring confusion because at the end of the day, it's, going, it's not going to be enough. That when we pursue Christ's image, that equals peace. It doesn't mean that self-image goes away. It doesn't mean that what, how we feel about ourselves doesn't, is not important. It just means that it's very, very much down the list when, in, in priority. Christ's image, that's what gives us peace. That's what gives us purpose. That's what, that's what gives us a path. Anything other than conforming to the image of Jesus, we're just going we're just drifting. And then Jesus describes it as the wide road that leads to destruction, leads to disappointment, leads to an end that is not good. I call you to a life that, man, it's going to be abundant. It's going to be full. It's going to be adventurous. But few there be that find it. This is the most important message that I'll give all year. That, that our priority is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And let me just say, man, self-image, you're going to be confused. Christ's image, peace. So what does it mean to pursue Christ's image? Let me give you two things. Number one, what did we see Jesus do? And number two, what did we hear Jesus say? Do that. That's Christ's image. This is not complicated. This is, this is very, very, it really is almost overly simple. Do what Jesus did, do what he said. So what are the themes? So you read the, the Gospels, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're going to pick up on some themes of Jesus. Themes in which we, to, we are to emulate. Remember the scriptures that he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son, that the very reason that we were created was to be like him. That the, the, the Holy Spirit, the Lord who is the Spirit, is changing us, he's transforming us into the image of Jesus. So when you allow that, these themes are going to be evident in your life. You ready? Mercy and grace. This is my favorite, and it's so good. But, and you know I talk about this a lot, but man, I think sometimes in the church we were so judgmental because we're trying to be righteous and we're trying to do the right thing and, and push people the right direction, which I want to push people the right direction, but sometimes way too rigid, and we were like the religious leaders of Jesus' day whom he constantly corrected to say, guys, you're too judgmental, man. Come on. The woman at the well, you remember the story, she wasn't living a good life. She was very wild in her living, sexual activity, and it was like, he didn't even mention it except to after, at the end of the conversation, he's like, yeah, yeah. He said, go get your husband. And she goes, well, I'm not married. He goes, yeah, I know. You've had five or whatever, and you're living with the one now. That's all he said. He didn't start the conversation saying, hey, Samaritan woman, first of all, Jewish people despise you because of your, 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 your mix of race, and so uh, I, it's, it's, you're blessed that I'm talking to you. Number two, you're a woman and I'm a man. You're blessed that I'm talking to you. Number three, you got a life thing. You need to correct that. So let me just ask you, 
When it comes to grace and compassion, shouldn't we follow the, 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 the pattern of Jesus? When he says to the woman at the well, he says, I'll give you living water in which you'll never thirst again. He wasn't correcting her. He was just saying, hey, man, I'm going I'm to change your life. And he did. She goes back to the town in which she's from, and she tells all the people, I, I don't know just what, I just don't know what happened. I just met the Messiah. He told me everything I ever did, blah, blah, blah. And, and they believe in her because they saw such a transformation. Listen to me. They saw such a transformation. They saw a reflection. They didn't even know what they were looking at of Jesus. The woman caught in adultery. I've talked about this so many times, I'm not even going to talk about it. But the mercy and the grace that Jesus brought to this. Zacchaeus, he was a thief. He took money from his own people, the Jewish people, and, and then he pocketed the leftover, gave Rome what they needed, and then he kept the rest. He was a very wealthy man. What did Jesus do? Didn't, he didn't correct him. Jesus didn't come up to him and say, hey, he kissed on the tree. Hey, you know what? You know, I've been watching you. I mean, why? I know what you're doing, you little thief. You know, because he was little. You little thief. Come here, we're going to have a talk. No, you didn't even mention it. Zacchaeus is the one who mentioned it when he got to the home. Thief on the cross. Anyway, you, you understand the point? Now, let me ask you a question. Thinking of the image of Jesus and that we, we are being conformed to the image of Jesus, how's this mercy and grace thing going for you? How are you doing with mercy and grace toward other people? How many, how many know that you love receiving mercy and grace? How many know that you love receiving it, but it's a little harder to give it? How many have ever looked at somebody in your family, you looked at somebody else, and you're like, prove them right? Idiot. Judge them for this, for that. And you in your, your own life, you know the sin in your own life. You know the logs that are poking out that only Jesus can see. Nobody else can see them, but Jesus sees them. You see them. Does that make sense? The grace and the mercy, that's a theme. The next one is love and compassion. I mean, he had so much love and compassion towards people. When he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? What did he say? Love God, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Equally as important as loving God is loving your neighbor. That's the way Jesus said it. I didn't say that. Jesus said it. The most important thing. He said, he didn't say, hey, this is a good thing to do. He said, it's the most important thing that you can ever do. He, he leads the way. What do we hear Jesus say? What do we see Jesus do? He says, love God, love people. The hurt, then when he's asked, listen, when he's asked, well, then who's my neighbor? It was a smart aleck question. Well, then who's my neighbor? It's hard to tell. You know, who knows? And he says, well, anybody that God puts in your path that's hurting. You see somebody in your path that's hurting? Help them. Don't walk around. Don't go to the other side of the street. Run to the mess. Love and compassion toward the hurting. And then he said, in Matthew 9, I love this, those without a shepherd, Jesus is, is preaching and teaching. He's casting out devils. He's healing blind eyes and deaf ears and raising the dead. And everybody's like, whoa, this is unbelievable. And, he, and, and the Bible actually says, Matthew 9, he, he looks at the crowd with compassion. And he says, man, they're like a sheep without a shepherd. The love and the compassion of Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Scale of one to ten. You're reflecting the image of Jesus. What did he do? What did he say? How's this going for you? Love and compassion. How's the love and compassion quote, quotient in your life? Next one. 
inclusion. I love this. That Peter was a misfit. Peter was the less, least likely disciple to follow a rabbi. He didn't make the cut in the religious uh, system of the day. He, was, he just went back, to, at 12 years old or so, went back to what his father did. He was a fisherman. And that's what he did. He was rough around the edges. He probably cussed a lot, like you guys that are fishermen. Lied a lot. <laughs> lied, you, get, you get it? Lied a lot. Okay, so Peter was, was included in, in, in Jesus' inner circle. Matthew, ta- another tax collector, included. He's at his tax collecting booth, walking down the street. Jesus says, hey, come follow me. This guy's a thief. The Samaritan woman, again, I already talked about her, but a mixed race in which the Jews despised, included her in. The Roman centurion, the Gentile woman. Just Jesus was just like, hey, yeah, everybody's welcome to the table. There's a, there's a, there's a, 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 a way in which that seems right to the Jewish people, but I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to include people that don't deserve to be included. You know who followed Jesus? Prostitutes. Those who were caught in sin, those who were misfits, and that's who followed Jesus. You included people. How's that working in your life? How's that working for you? Do you see a, a, a person of another color, another country, another culture, another religion? You look at them and go, Phew, what are they doing here? I know, I know, right? It's like, John, you didn't have to say that. I was good until you said that. It's inclusion. That's what, that's what Jesus did. It didn't matter to him. Confronting hypocrisy is another one. This is a big theme in Jesus' life. Religious leaders, what did he do? Most of his conversation, with, unfortunately, most of his conversation with religious leaders was confronting their hypocrisy. In other words, they taught one thing, but they lived another. Or they taught in such high levels that nobody could attain, nobody could live that life. And there, there was actually a time in which Jesus was like, man, you, you make people twice the son of hell as you do because of your teaching. You're so rigid and you're so judgmental and you're so hypocritical. Guys, you're killing the people. He confronted that. Even the disciples, and he's like, hey, guys, man, you have little faith. You follow me, but you have little faith. He confronted this. How's that working in your life? A big one was a theme is obedience. He left heaven. Philippians 2 says, man, he just left his rights. He gave up his rights, and he was obedient to the plan of God. He lived to please the Father. Not my will, your will be done. Obedience. How's that, how's that working in your life? That, that I want to I be conformed to the image of Jesus. Man, a big part of the image of Jesus is obedience. Just doing, reading the Word and doing what the Word says. Not just living your own way. Not just seeing the Word and then, ah, I'm going to do something else. I know this is wrong, but you know what? I'm just going to do this anyway. Guys, that's not obedience. That's disobedience. Another theme, last theme, and there's so many of them, 
prayer. Prayer was a lifestyle for Jesus. He was, he was uh, the disciples couldn't find him. Where was Jesus? He was out alone praying. Solitary place, mountainside place, garden, garden place, desert place. Jesus was praying constantly alone. He was modeling prayer, not just in crisis, right? But not just in crisis, but in preparation. And many of us, listen, this is our relationship with God. You ever have people that call you and the only time they call you is when they need something? I mean, your, your kids go off to college, and the only time they call is when, hey, could you transfer some money? Like, why don't you call me like on Tuesday to say I love you? I don't have time. I'm busy. You know, whatever. And I know my kids didn't do that because our kids love us, but your kids probably. <laughs> you have those friends that call only when they need something. Now listen, when, when you pray, only when you need something. When the only time you pray is in crisis. Now listen, it's a good time to pray in crisis. And God is hearing your prayer in that crisis, I promise you. So I'm not saying don't pray in the crisis. But guys, don't let that be the only time you're praying. Don't let that be the only time in which you're calling out, oh, I need your help. It's emergency, please. And develop a prayer life. You said, John, I'm just not a good prayer. Can you talk? I mean, that's all prayer is. It's talk. In fact, get the word of the prayer, get prayer out of the dictionary and just say, I'm talking to God. You talk to your wife, you talk to your friends, you talk on the phone, you talk to a business person, you talk to your clients, you talk to your friends, whatever. Just that's how you talk to God. You don't have to be a good prayer, so you got to be a good talker. That's the way Jesus modeled. Anyway, all of this, right? All these themes, how well are we reflecting the image of Jesus? Now, if you're a student in the room, if you're a student watching online or one of our campuses, middle school, high school, maybe you're a young adult, you're just getting ready to, you know, kind of venture out, kind of making some big, big decisions about your life, where you're going to college, what you're going to do with your life, how you're going to spend your life, your, your, your second year of college, your last year of college, maybe this is going to be your senior year. Listen, I just want to say to you that if you will just listen to what I'm saying today and start your life this way, pursuing Christ's image, pursuing the transformation, the, the conforming to his image rather than working a lot and a ton on yours, I promise you everything else will fall in place. Doesn't mean your life will be perfect and it doesn't mean you're gonna be rich. It doesn't mean you're going to be all that pretty or good looking. You can't, some of these things we can't change all that much. But I promise you this. You, you spend your middle school, high school, young adult years conforming to the image of what does Jesus want me to do? Where does he want me to go to school? Who does he want me to date? What, what job does he want me to have? You conform, you, you pursue conforming to the image of Jesus all the things of this world will never bring you the peace that he can bring. Never bring you the purpose that he can bring. So don't buy into the, the self-image thing so much so that you're so consumed with making yourself better, making a mark on this life, following your dreams. No, follow Jesus. Don't follow your dreams. Follow Jesus. And he has plans for all of our lives. Let me, let me end with this. 
talking about what do we see Jesus do and what do we hear Jesus say? What do we see Jesus do? What do we hear Jesus say? And do that. This is how he started his ministry. Matthew 5. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. What does that mean? Those who are not poor money, he's not talking about that. He's talking about those who are poor knowing that they, in spirit, knowing that you are a mess without Jesus. Knowing that you and I are a mess without Jesus. And when you are poor in that way, the kingdom of heaven is yours. God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. What does that mean? I'm not really sure but maybe one of the, the things it could mean is that, man, I, instead of being prideful in my life, I mourn for my sin, I mourn for, for my mistakes, I mourn for my mess-ups, I mourn for the, mis, you know, the dysfunction of my life, and they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, and they will inherit the whole earth. You realize yeah, anything you have of any significance is only because of his goodness? Any amount of wealth that you have, any amount of accumulation of what this world has to offer is only, your very breath comes from Him. We're so consumed with our image. We're so consumed with what this world has to offer. And I'm not saying that it's just junk. I'm not saying that all of it is like, oh man, don't worry about that, just Jesus. I'm saying, no, put Jesus first and all that stuff just falls into place. But we've got it backwards. We're doing our thing. We're doing our lives. We're spending our money. We're making our money. We're finding, trying to find happiness in everything else other than conforming to Jesus and what he has for us. And you'll never find it. Never find it. God blesses those who are humble for they will inherit the earth, the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things about you because of my, because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for great reward, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. You, listen to this, we're getting down to the thing. You are the salt of the earth. This is why we exist, guys. Created in the image of God to be like him, predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Now that the veil is taken away, we reflect the Lord's glory, and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more like him. And in so doing, we become the salt of the earth. What does that mean? Influence. People look at our lives. Now listen, when you chase yourself, when you do your own thing, nobody gives a rip. Nobody cares about that. But when you, when you, you've conf, you conform to the pattern or the, to the image of Jesus, you become salt to this earth. We become salt. 
And we don't lose our flavor, but man, we're, we're used to bring preservation, to bring, to bring influence. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand so that all, everyone in the house can see the light. In the same way, listen to this, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Does this make sense to you? We talk about self-image. Please, those things are so important, but not as important as chasing the image of Jesus. And when we chase the image of Jesus, everything in our life falls into place. When you chase your own image, there's only confusion. And this isn't complicated. Let me put it on the screen like this to end. Becoming like Jesus isn't complicated. It's less of our image and more of his. Bottom line, it's less of me, more of him. Less of you, more of him. And that is always, always a good thing. So, wherever you are, and whatever your thoughts are about yourself, maybe you're going through a struggle, a hard time, and you, you, you know, maybe you've done this all your life. You've just, you've just never liked yourself. Your brother, your big brother, your, your older sister, your younger brother, younger sister. It just seems like your whole life, it's just been, it's kind of been like, man, didn't turn out the way I thought it would. Maybe, maybe what, what's important right now is, is less of, of worrying about what people think about you and worrying about what your parents thought about you and worrying about what you're going to be or, or, or a better you, maybe the answer for you, and I, don't, I say maybe only because of you, I know it's the answer, but the answer is, is, is just submitting and surrendering your life to Jesus and saying, you know what, I need to come home to you. I need to quit chasing my thing, and I need to start chasing you. And let your image so reflect your glory that when people see me, I am salt, I am light. And that is why we're here. It's why you live where you live. It's why you have the job that you have. It's why you go to the school that you go to. It's not so that you can just get an education or just live in a house or just have a job. It is so that you can be salt and you can be light and that your image is, not, is less about you and it's more about him. So when we struggle, when we say I struggle with self-image, I understand that. But can I just tell you, even the most beautiful person in the world struggles with self-image. Even the best singer, the best rock star, the best actress, the best, they all struggle. We all struggle. Join the club. Everybody feels that every now and then less than, and if they say they don't, that's even more of a reason why to understand that they do. We all feel less than sometimes. But the reality is, Allow the Lord to make your image less important and his image more important so that there's peace in your life and so that there's purpose in your life. And that's my prayer for you today. Would you bow your heads? Lord, many friends in this room need to come back to your image, need to Be less worried about ours 
less worried about our image and, and, and more concerned about conforming to yours. And in so doing, Lord, there's, there's just so much peace, there's so much purpose, there's so much direction, there's such a big path for us. But when we neglect that, we search for it in other ways and, and other things, it just never satisfies. And that's the reason we're all in, in, a, in this mental mess is because we're, just, we're not doing the right thing. We're not focusing on the right thing. So Lord, may we understand and come to a decision today that the most important thing in our lives is you. That the image that we want to reflect is less about us and more about you. So whoever is in this room, whether we're believers, maybe somebody's here not a believer, and, and they just struggle with, with their image, they struggle with their purpose, they just, don't, they just don't understand. God, I don't know why I'm here. Lord, help them today to understand that that can only be found in you. And us as believers that have been distracted, we have been sidetracked by chasing comparing ourselves with people on social media, with influencers who have the perfect life and the perfect marriage and the perfect house and the perfect dog and everything else. We're just like, man, my life stinks. I'll never, God, help us to forget that stuff and focus our attention on you. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in our lives right here, right now as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.